Welcome back to another episode of Dogs Off the Leash. We have a pretty dope show for you guys today as the sports world in general is kind of at one of those weird mesh points. College football is done. The Super Bowl is this weekend and the NBA trade deadline has just officially finished. As of right now, it's 320. Uh, It finished at three o'clock. So we got a lot to talk about. Uh, As always, I'm Cheeto and with me is Keegan. And you know what it is. guys were paying any attention in the prior podcast i had mentioned that signing day was february 10th when i meant to say that signing day was february 2nd today is february 10th and again that is the nba trade deadline and we have had a major trade go down keegan your thoughts on what we have just witnessed between the 76ers and the nets in the nba well it seems like ben simmons has been in purgatory since as long as I can remember. If this were Dante's Inferno, I don't know what chapter he would fall <laughs> into, but we've been wanting to free Ben Simmons for a while. Atlanta, you know, I'm a Hawks fan, so Atlanta, I guess, had their hat in the ring, and for me, it didn't seem like we were really going to... A lot of the pieces they were talking about moving, the ones that were would have maybe gotten some leverage to have that trade go through, really, to me, were not what I wanted to see, because I, I have, like high hopes for the Hawks and the upside of some of those players. So I overall was kind of uninterested in following the Ben Simmons drama from a fan's perspective, but right. just like keeping up with it, man, it's, it's crazy. And I know you, you follow the Lakers. Um, it'll be interesting to see how this plays out because I heard it on the radio earlier. They were talking about, you know, if, if Ben Simmons, you know, you got Ben Simmons going to New York, um, for those who don't know, Brooklyn, you got uh, Brooklyn, to, Brooklyn, to Brooklyn, to Brooklyn, yeah. yeah, to be exact, Brooklyn, New York, Brooklyn, New York, <laughs> and you right. got yeah, Brooklyn, New York, and you got you know James Harden and and uh, Paul Millsap, a former Hawk, going to uh, going to Seventy Sixers, and there's some uh, you know you got Seth Curry and Andre Drummond also exchanging that trade as well. So for me, the big thing is is it's kind of like the Matt Stafford trade. It's like if you don't win a championship, is it do you do you consider that an L on the trade, or do you think that overall they just had to get rid of Ben Simmons and you know getting James Harden isn't so bad? Like, I think those are two. That? I think those are two great points. Ben Simmons was showing himself to be a, a, a problem after the playoffs last year. He, I mean, he he was terrible. He got to the point to where he couldn't even shoot the ball in clutch moments. It's kind of like Russell Westbrook, and we'll get to that in the Lakers, but. He was becoming a problem, and James Harden just this week was also doing the same thing uh, from the Nets' vantage point. The camps were really getting loud. There was some doubts that a trade was going to get done, and then there was some optimism, and then it finally happened. So for the 76ers, I think you're exactly right. I think you're in a win-now mode. You've got a championship head coach. You've got young defensive players, and you've got Joel Embiid, who's arguably uh, number one in most people's race for MVP. And then you add a generational talent like James Harden to be your point guard or your two guard. Doesn't matter. The the lineup projected projected lineup is absolutely nasty. So I think as of this moment, the 76ers got better, but the Nets clearly got more. Imagine Kyrie at your point, as creative as he is with the basketball, Ben Simmons, who is also a point guard who can play your three 
your your small forward or your power forward, and then KD, one of the best scorers of all time, right? You can go small, you can go big with Andre Drummond. You can uh, you've got Seth Curry, the 76ers head coach's son-in-law traded him, and then you got two first round picks, one that's unprotected for 2022, and then a protected one for 2027. So, as far as the assets, the Nets got better, and overall, I think the biggest thing now is that as far as power in the NBA goes. It has shifted to the East. You've got Milwaukee, 76ers, Brooklyn, and even the Bulls who have, you know, turned around their season and their team in one offseason. So for Hawks fans, that's not what you wanted to see. I mean, the Hawks can make a push, but the East just got significantly better just 30 minutes ago. I mean, just 30 minutes ago. It's nuts. And that would be the main thing for the Hawks is like they would need they would have made that push if they really believed that they couldn't do it or really couldn't even come close with the team they have now. The thing is, is like for me, we don't have to get full down Hawks lane, but I see the Hawks is really just now having consistency in their team. They have really had injuries all season. They've really, there's been this or that all season. Now you can talk excuses all you want, but for me, they've really only had consistency the last 16 games and I don't, I, I know they're like 10 and three, the last 13 games. So they really have been improved a lot since they've had their main pieces. You know, Deandre Hunter is their best defender by a long shot. Uh, uh, big O, Akonwu, he's, he's a big time player as well. Um, and they've kind of unleashed him more, but like Hunter's the kind of guy that he's going to probably be on your best player every on the opposing team's best player every game and the Hawks are deficient in defense. So that is really hindered them, him being kind of in and out hurt throughout the season. And he was out a good bit last year as well. So for me, Hawks, Hawks going forward, if they can just continue with the consistency, I think they have a good shot. Is it enough to unseat these new powerhouses? I don't know. That seems like a stretch, but the one thing, the one, yeah, but this isn't 2k. This isn't 2k, you know, Injuries so if are still on, just, bro. Injuries are still it, on. Yeah. <laughs> yes. 100%. Injuries are still on in that team chemistry. 100%. It matters in franchise mode. It matters a lot more 100%. in the, you know, so, and that's, that is why, uh, you know, uh, why Milwaukee was so dominant last year because they had all these, they had all those elements and a great coach. You know, when Atlanta had coach Bud, they had a lot of things going. That was their best season, uh, right. maybe prior to last year in the modern swing of things. But, we didn't really have that, you know, that superstar player, and we didn't have enough, you know, high B B pluses, which matters you know, in we the needed, playoffs. Which know, matters we needed in the playoffs. two more. Yeah, so you can do it. You can have. You can go all B plus and really have a bunch of really good players, um, a bunch of number two guys, like four number two guys. You're number one, but we we just didn't have that when we needed someone to take over. You know, if it was that hot squad and Joe Johnson. Like ISO Joe, okay, now we're talking because you've got an offense. He's not, you know, a top five player. He never was, but he he's a top ten. He's been a top ten option, you know, in, in clutch moments. But yeah. so that's the kind of thing. So as a Hawks fan, we're in a good position. We got the stars, we got the young talent. We can move these things forward. But yes, you're right. The East just got a lot more cantankerous. And that let me move that off the leash over to your squad. Right. Didn't root for yeah, it. let's hit that. Uh, let's go know, to the West talk, Coast real quick. Talk talk, talk about that Cali love for me for a second. At any point this season, you know, we can get into the Russell Westbrook thing, but, like, 
were you ever because i wasn't were you ever really volleying hoping you know maybe some pieces would get moved maybe you know the lakers would be a part of the ben simmons sweepstakes do you see did you ever picture a ben simmons lebron james uh, uh the brow what's his uh andre uh davis <laughs> anthony davis did you did you see that squad coming together was that something you're volunteering for or are you kind of like ah, i don't miss me with all that like, so where to be were absolutely you, honest you? to be absolutely absolutely honest i've been a, anybody who knows me and y'all vouch for me i'm not gonna be up here blowing smoke y'all vouch <laughs> for me i've been a lebron fan for a while which right now makes me by association <laughs> a lakers fan i did not think that the lakers would ever get involved in the ben simmons sweepstakes because the things that ben simmons does or the things that he does well is what LeBron James also does, right? So it makes it repetitive. Now, he's a great defender and he's versatile. He can do a lot of different things, but that's why I didn't think that they would really go after him, uh, even though he's the Rich Paul, uh, Rich Paul slash Adele. Uh, <laughs> he's, he's, Rich Paul represents him, right? Just like LeBron James, they're close. Um, and that brings me to Russell Westbrook. A lot of people... And I'll say I fell victim to it, too. The one thing I did not want, the reason I did not want Russell Westbrook is because he's a bad fit. It's it's plain as day to see. He needs the ball in his hand. He does not play defense. He's a negative plus minus on defense. He can't play off the ball. He can't shoot. He can't shoot. And this might be his worst year shooting to date. So what he gives you, he can give you 30, 10 and 10 when LeBron's not on the court. If he's playing with maybe just AD, he can do that. But with LeBron, his numbers dip. He's not comfortable, and his contract is so crazy that a lot of people were doubting that he was going to get traded today, and that's exactly what happened. So the Lakers are stuck this way. Lakers and Hawks have actually a pretty similar record, uh, I think 9 and 10 in their respective conferences, two or three games right under 500. Both teams can still make a push. The season's not over. It just doesn't look good. And for somebody who's watched a bunch of LeBron teams, it looks really bad. But we, we over here, we ain't got no excuse. We got AD. We got LeBron. We've had injuries, but we've got three Hall of Famers on our roster, and they're they still suck. And the problem is they gave up so much for Russell. They gave up young defenders, like all the players that you named for the Hawks, wing defenders, uh, Caruso, KCP, Kuzma, and in this small ball era, those guys would be perfect for this team because that's what they're missing. There's no defense. People want to blame Vogel for the team's lack of success. He's the defensive coach. He can't do nothing with this roster. They're old. They can't move their feet. Carmelo, Trevor Ariza, these guys are going to be legends when they're done. And they might be done sooner than later. Like, they're old. So I don't know what they're going to do, but it's a struggle in L.A. So just wanted to hit that NBA trade deadline. It's, it's going to be an interesting uh, finish to the season. But while we're talking about L.A., we also have Super Bowl weekend. So that, Super Bowl! That is in <laughs> L.A. as the Rams take on the Cincinnati Bengals. And honestly, if you're not from Ohio, I don't want to hear you act like you thought the Bengals were going to be here. So I think that was a surprise <laughs> to a lot of people. The Rams have a good team, great roster. They've paid enough for it. Uh, your initial thoughts on the Super Bowl and what, what are you looking forward to seeing or how do you think the matchup is going to go, Keegan? Well, I do see LA having a major edge. And I agree, you know, no one really saw... Cincinnati. Although I have, I heard one analyst say that that was his call. And well, you know, that's all. You can always stretch and right. throw some you gotta let the people know there. too. Yeah, <laughs> you gotta let. Yeah, the so know. I mean, I you know, it maybe, I maybe it was maybe I yeah. 
maybe that was deep in his heart and he you know wasn't just throwing uh throwing paint at the wall or whatever but you know cincinnati has a pretty solid team they to me like their team is like like borderline b plus and you can nfl is any given sunday you know you you can you can have a winning season with the overall B plus team if you you know hit the right spot, scheme right, do all the you know execute, do all those things. But Joe Burrow is a great example of like how you can have a B plus team and a dynamic quarterback can get you to the Super Bowl because he got in that game where he got sacked nine times. Got to talk more about that too. Yeah, nine times. Like you don't win. No, you don't win many games. I don't. I don't even. That's the first game I probably. It's the first time I looked it up. It's the first time in playoff history that a team has won a game getting with a quarterback getting sacked nine times. It's I was about to say. I mean, the closest thing. Yeah. See, when Auburn was taking care of uh, Oh Bryce Young and making a push for that game, I think they sacked him four. Or maybe five times and stayed in the game, and they bear. I mean, they that that alone. You think in that game's over nine times. So to me, you know, I mean, they took out a a, a ridiculous Georgia defense with Joe Burrow at LSU. Um, he picked them apart, and then you know he he picked apart. Uh, I believe it was Clemson. You yeah, know, made them look silly that, as well. They were running that game at the gym today. Earlier, they were playing that on yeah. the, on the TV. They had the top three, you know, defense. Joe Burrow is elite. Like yeah. he, we'll, like we'll see, you know. But he, he is volleying for like Tom Brady's position as like the preeminent slick white boy moves right. his feet every he's now a, and then. He's a baller. Like, he's a baller. Yeah, like he's got that aura about him. He, he does. You know, he he's in like he, like the the he's he, the Drew Breeses the. The Tom Brady's like he's that next guy. He's the he's a descendant of that tree. You know his ability to read defenses, make quick reads, pass the ball, and you gotta love like Joe Cool, the character, and just even you know I was rooting for Glimpson to win that national championship. I won't lie, but when he was smoking that cigar, I'm like, dude, this guy's this guy's the man. Like <laughs> yeah, they put out man. that promo, it was slow mo. Yeah. I was like slick waiting for like the Stetson Bennett promo. Dude's calling it, bro. I'm not gonna lie. He's calling they, it. They missed they missed the chance. Like <laughs> like it, I was waiting for the cool Georgia promo. I mean, it was awesome to see that celebration, but like there was never the cool Joe Burrow moment. Like he has that for eternity. I don't care how many people win the national title. Like he's just a cool ass dude, a cool ass character. So the Bengals. With Joe Burrow at the helm, I think they definitely got a shot. They got a chance. But, man, like the Rams already could have been in this position, and then they got Matt Stafford. Yeah. Full-on bulldog love. But, like, this guy is the preeminent example of what happens when an amazing generational talent goes to a shitty organization. Yeah. Like, he – they, you know, they had Megatron in Detroit – they had some years where they made pushes, but it's freaking Detroit. Like, there's a reason. It's kind of – they're a laughing stock in football. And I'm just happy for him, for for his for his legacy alone, because it's like, as a Dogs fan, you got tired of defending Matt Stafford. You're like, well, y'all's only quarterbacks. Right. Team sucks. <laughs> and it's like – and he just threw three picks. It's like he was – 
<laughs> he broke six tackles before he threw picks. Everybody like, but her. Ever in context, but her can't, like, find no, can't find no yeah. way to validate it. Like, uh, so, uh, so I'm just glad time. for Matt Stafford. Like he's been a trooper up there in Detroit. You know, like a, a lot of a lot of better men would probably have retired early, d- done the Calvin Johnson thing. I mean. There's a reason people in Detroit like to retire a few years before their prime's done. Oh, and there's God. other organizations, which I won't name, that are kind of like that. They're they're QB killers. They're greatness killers, if you will. Well, I mean, he'd been in the league for 13 yeah. years, and he goes he goes to his the next team, the next team, and now he's playing the Super Bowl. Granted, this team is yeah. much, much better. but Much, um, much. And, you know, some people will put some blame on Matthew Stafford. He hasn't always shown up when he's needed to, but this year he has with the team around him. And – um, you know, I wanted to hit uh, talking about the journey for both teams here. You mentioned the Bengals giving up nine sacks to the Titans. That was after they beat the Raiders, which a lot of people, the Raiders have had their problems this year. So that one could have went either way. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know the people out in Tennessee were really hyped about the Titans. I mean, they have Derrick Henry. They've got Tannehill. They got A.J. Brown. They got Julio. And they still lost. So. See, and, and here's you, this. Yeah. Sorry. You're fine. Go uh, ahead. Finish up. I was I was living in Nashville a little bit with my travel nurse girlfriend, right, and, right. and I spent a lot of time around people yelling "Tighten up!" And <laughs> uh, you know, I kind of I got a I got a I caught a vibe, and I was Uber driving, driving yeah. some people to Tennessee Titan games, yeah. and I was I was checking it out and whatnot. Their team is ridiculous. They're super loaded. Very. Ron Tannehill is like a really good quarterback, but he's he's never like reached that like upper echelon in no. his career not saying he won't he good but like he had if they had joe burrow they'd be in the super bowl that's they how would. I feel about he's it. more Tannehill's more athletic right he's more athletic he's used to making plays yeah. with his legs which usually hinders quarterbacks for whatever reason they don't spend time in the pocket just learning how to you know take a hit and complete a throw he's not got to that level yet and well, it's that- funny i was in nashville the weekend the day before no, yeah, the weekend, the a couple of days before the weekend where they lost to the Bengals. And I remember I was like, yeah. I'm glad we got out of there when we did, because I know I mean, <laughs> had had dinner right by the stadium. So glad we got out of there. But that's there's no excuse. And I think it's more credit to the Bengals. Joe Burrow has really led this team, really led this team with Joe Mixon and his uh his buddy Jamar Chase, which we'll talk about the SEC players on both teams. And then on top of that, going past the Titans, they beat the Kansas City Chiefs. And you can say the other two were flukes or the other teams you know just gave that game up the chiefs are are proven champs even if they're down 20 points they can come back and beat you for the Bengals to sit in there with not a great defense but a great defensive plan that day and to beat patrick mahomes and travis kelsey and tyreek hill that that's saying a lot and on the other on the other side the rams beat the cardinals who were struggling they beat the Super Bowl champs and Tom Brady Buccaneers. I know they were injured, but you beat Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. Ask a lot of other teams how how they would feel if they beat Tom Brady just one time. A lot of other teams mm-hmm. would have Super Bowls if they beat Tom Brady just one time. And then you beat the 49ers who beat the Packers. So both teams, you can't get to the Super Bowl without earning your way there. It doesn't mean it won't be right. a blowout on Sunday, but you've gotten here. So it is what it is. Well, it's such a good example of like coaching making the difference and execution being the biggest thing because like there's much closer talent gaps in the NFL than in college like right. for for Absolutely. sure year to year Absolutely. year Absolutely. to year so for either one of these teams like you know Falcons were a great example their Super Bowl season they made it man they won like half their games by like 
three points or something. You know, like uh, there are so many like game winning drives that could have gone either way in that season. And the next, the biggest thing for me is like keeping up the Falcons rooting for them. In the offseason, all these teams they barely beat were making all these moves. Falcons did not touch the roster. All those games that they barely won, the next year they lost barely. Yep. And the thing is, is it's year to year, these micro little one player here, one player there. Like, so little stories you can kind of keep up with players in and out on these teams. The fact that the Rams are able to pull Eric Weddle, you know, uh, a potential future Hall of Famer coming back just and then leading in tackles in some of these games. Like he's he's literally retired. He's he's like good friends with some of the coaching staff. He comes back, makes some big plays. The fact that you got OBJ coming in and he, it, you know, he hadn't really done shit all season, really. You know, he, right. he'd done some things here and there, Not but he wasn't like yeah. he wasn't a big piece for the Rams this season. Like, he, you know, he's a factor, but he wasn't like the piece. But then he steps up when you need him to. So, you know, all this stuff goes down the line to the offseason and the micro moves in the NFL. Those micro moves mean twi- to me twice as much. Not saying it doesn't matter. Well, credit the, the front football. offices. Credit credit exactly. the front offices. Like. You've got to understand professional sports. If you're not doing anything, a la Hawks, a la Lakers, um, uh, Falcons, if you're not doing anything, if you're staying neutral, you're really getting worse because other teams are getting better. The Rams were aggressive and they say innovative, but I think this should be the mindset all the time. They took the assets that they have and first round picks Mm -hmm. and um, yada, yada, yada. Not all their first round picks, right? They're not giving away their top five to seven. I heard Mina Kimes and some other people on uh, ESPN say, make good points about this. Love Mina Kimes, by the way. Um, they're taking assets, maybe like early second round, late first round picks, and they're turning them into players that are that they don't, that they don't have to develop. OBJ, right. Matt Stafford, come in. We're ready to win now, right? They'll keep their mm-hmm. one top five pick, and they'll get some young players later, but they're in win now mode. Give up your assets if you're ready to win now. So many teams, they want to OKC and hoard all these first-round picks and then think that you're going to establish one big team at one time. No, it's pieces at a time. Right. And they were aggressive. And, uh, dude, Von Miller, Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey, they were smart with their assets. This is a super team if I've ever seen a super team in the NFL, like the Bucs. You know what I'm saying? They were a quarterback away, and, damn it, they went and got Tom Brady. That you're yeah. ready to win now with all the talent and they, you already had. And they took a page out of the Buccaneers. They are the Buccaneers this year, basically. That's, that's all healthy. that's They're all the healthy is. Buccaneers yep. this year. That's all it is. Mm-hmm. So and teams teams need and to you, do that more. And you can even look you know, switching around, but it all comes full circle. Just look at the Braves championship season, go bravos. They were <laughs> shitty <Bravos>. mid-season. <laughs> they were shitty mid-season, dog. Like Rams were too. A, they, they dropped a couple games they shouldn't have dropped early this season. One hundred percent. And they were in win now mode. They they looked at the board. They took some chances. They were like, "Hey, what? Just look at the stat sheet." Sometimes it is as simple as money ball. Just be like, "Hey, where are we like losing statistics?" Yes. They went out and got hitters. They addressed just, their you know, problems. They did it, and then you know the bullpen came through, even yeah. with the injuries. Facts. Dude, like you, if you can just like give, you know, it's like a puncher's chance. You know, in boxing, they talk about, you know, if a guy's overmatched, just like, well, he's got a puncher's chance. One Meaning haymaker, bro. One haymaker. One good, yeah, one good punch. So it's like you, nothing's really guaranteed. Like 
you can have all these things. You still have to execute. Like you can have a super team and then your quarterback goes down or, you know, shoestrings mm-hmm. falls out of place. Like it's, it's, there's so many things that go into it, but all you can really ever do is as a GM, as a fan, as a coach, you got to get in that puncher's chance. Like, you know, this is off the leash talking dog talk all the time. It's like, man, I'm just happy we're in that conversation because we have that puncher's chance. You don't, Absolutely. you don't get a puncher's chance if you're, set the seventh best team like maybe maybe one day when they expect stay in the playoffs there'll be more punchers chances but like for the most part it's like that's all you can ask for and so both these teams have taken their punchers chance and uh it's really cool to to see i know the storyline going into this game is like oh you got two number one picks one year two guy one year 13 number i mean you know but see that even that story it's really like to me it's a little too big because it has to do with the teams those guys were on. You put, you know, Matt Stafford on the, and maybe in his fourth season on the best uh, Patriots team or any of these historic teams, he's going to be in the Super Bowl too. He's going like, to ball. He's going to ball. Yeah. It, it's like, the, but that said, uh, there's some dogs in this game. I know we talked about Matt Stafford. Absolutely. Um, there's there's some dogs give- and the SEC is well represented in this game. Right. So starting with the SEC overall, we've mentioned a lot of these games, Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase from LSU, Odell Beckham Jr. for the Rams from LSU, Vaughn Miller, who I expect to make an impact. And we're just going over the main guys. There's some other people from Auburn and uh, I think Jason Whitworth, one of the tackles for the Rams. We can't know them all. (laughs) Not going to name them all. (laughs) So Sony, um, but go ahead. What are you going to say? Sony Michelle, Leonard Floyd, Trey Hill. And uh, Matthew Stafford, of course, Sonny Michelle, who's already got a Super Bowl. So I, I expect him to make a, a big contribution at some point in this game. Um, Me too. Yeah, the SEC is well represented. But I wanted to talk about, like you said, because I had this conversation with uh, Chris uh, the other day uh, about the, the old saying about luck and how we really it is, is preparation when preparation meets opportunity versus like some random thing that you manifest from the universe, right? Preparation, right. meeting, opportunity. And that's what these two teams in their own different ways have done. They've prepared, they've drafted, they've used their assets to assemble a team. And then you have <laughs> the, op- you beat the Chiefs, you beat the Bucks who were uh, beaten up. That is opportunity. And now they have an opportunity on Sunday to be world champions. And I think it's nice for the NFL to have two new teams, even though the Rams have already been been to the Super Bowl recently, and I think that gives them the edge. But to see some fresh blood instead of just Tom Brady, well, really just Tom Brady, because <laughs> it hasn't mattered what team Tom Brady's been on. He's been in the Super Bowl for a while, so I think it's refreshing. Yeah. But your thoughts on this puncher's chance? Um, I think most people would say that the Rams are the favorites, even though I think it's just a four-point spread as far as Vegas goes. Are you? Do you like the Bengals? punch your chance enough to say that they'll win or is the sack thing going to be it for you? If it's a shootout, then they're really okay. in this ball game. Yeah. You know, 100%. because with Joe, with Joe Burrow, you can go toe to toe running that on the fly with anybody, open it up offense. I, if yeah, you can do it absolutely. against the chiefs, you can do it against the Rams. They're, exactly. They, they have the quarterback and receiving core to do that. But if it gets down to the wire and it's a defensive game, I would be shocked if the Rams are not, winning this yeah. game like how how is that even possible Bengals have like you, you got to look at the season the story has been offense over ex you know overperforming defense just kind of getting by mm-hmm. you know, getting by making some plays when they need to 
You know, you look at the Rams. They've been explosive and dominant at times on both sides of the ball. They've had some moments where they've been stale, but they've pretty much been explosive and dominant all year. So, to me, if you're going to be Cincinnati, having that puncher's chance, you got to be hoping that this game is, like, in the 30s and the 40s. And And a couple turnovers. Yeah. And and they've done – and I read a statistic where they've, you know, they've done exceedingly well. They are the best team in the NFL when they win the turnover battle, but they're towards the top, the bottom five when they lose that turnover battle. So for them, it's even more important. And I think that really speaks to their puncher's chance because when they get the ball and they have some opportunity, you got a quarterback like Joe Burrow, you're deadly. You know what I'm saying? So I think Cincinnati has a good shot in this game. I don't think it's going to be one of the more boring playoffs. I think Joe Burrow is going to keep this game interesting and alive. Do I think it'll be enough to overtake the Rams? I'd be shocked. But Joe Burrow has had a storied career, and I won't get too romanticized on this, but, like, it would not shock me if that's, like, how he started his NFL, you know, supremacy. He's on a streak. He's Uh, on a streak, so you couldn't be too surprised. I just think, personally – if I'm Sean, if I'm Sean McVay, the head coach of the LA Rams, I'm going into the defensive, defensive line room and linebacker room every day this week. I'm going talking to every player and every position coach. If you guys do your job, we win this game easily. Because because Joe Joe Burrow is the recipe for the Bengals success. If we can get pressure on him, make him uncomfortable and get four, let's say four or five sacks. You don't even need nine. You definitely don't need nine. You get four or five sacks, Rams win this game. Whether they air it out with Matt Stafford or they run the ball with Cam Akers and Sonny Michelle. If we can get to Joe Burrow, that's their whole game plan. That's It's done. So the Bengals are going to counter with short passes, screen passes. Is Joe ready for that? We'll see. Um, But that's what I'm doing. But we mentioned the UJ players uh, on both teams, mainly the Rams. So I think UJ fans would say they're pulling for the Rams and their players. Uh, wanted to wrap this up with uh, the news that we have since recruiting day. Again, I got those dates mixed up. Uh, National Sign Day was February 2nd, and UJ finishes with the number three overall recruiting class. Um, not the best, um, but elite, especially on the defensive side. We addressed a lot of a lot of issues, especially in the secondary. Um, do you want to talk about a couple of people on signing day that signed that stuck out to you? I remember in the previous podcast, you did mention Andrew Paul, which I think was a big pickup since we lost Jordan James to Oregon and Dan Lanning. Um, yeah. Any, any I would just, on anybody? Well, I would say that a lot of the three-star guys, which Paul is that we have like added late, they have not been the fillers that maybe you might think they are on paper. A lot of these guys have been major contributors and we talked about it. You know, you got McConkey, you got A.D. Mitchell, you got um, Jordan Davis kind of speaking to that fact that three-star guys at UGA are sometimes five-star guys anywhere else, and the NFL kind of agrees with that, that looks like. So, you know, I'm, I don't shy away from that. And, you know, Paul is a guy that his tape is ridiculous. Like, it's nuts, dude. It it's it's nuts. The, the thing that was going against him was maybe like later development, and the fact that he was like in a private school league in Texas and Texas football is so big and vast. You, I guess it's maybe you get overlooked get, like, pretty easy. Overlooked. Um, so I do think we got a dominant and rough. Like this guy's acceleration is as good as I've ever seen from any bat. <laughs> some, you know, 
And that's coming off the fact that we got Branson Robinson in this class. So I feel really good about Paul. I think he's a sleeper hit, and we'll just see kind of how that plays out. Can I, I be honest? Go ahead. Because I, I watched honest. the film. I, I had I saw some people on the in the chat rooms and stuff. Like they're like, go watch this guy's tape. And if there's any tape I do watch, it's quarterbacks and definitely running backs since I played the position. This guy looks like he was born to be a running back. You know what I'm saying? There's right. a difference. Like no disrespect against Branson or Nick Chubb, but really they're physical beasts. So it's yeah. just you can't tackle them and like they'll crush your skull like if you get too close. So like that's cool. <laughs> but when you know how to play running back, this guy has great vision, great balance. He's he finds the end zone. If you make a mistake on the defense, safety or linebacker, or whatever, if you miss, he's going to the alumni strike. He's he's yeah. he's putting it in pay dirt every single time. And it reminds me a lot of Todd Gurley. Maybe not mm. on every single level, but I'm talking about just a tad underneath the the balance. A well-balanced running back like that, absolutely deadly, dude. He this guy, this guy's gonna get some some burn. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that, you know, if I could, this is a for sure big stretch and a a big comparison to put on anybody, but like, you know, in a a college three-star format, he reminds me of like with Damian Tomlinson, like, Mm. you know, and that's a, that's a huge comparison. Now (laughs) that's a big one too. Yeah. Maybe like LT, like light, light, light. You know what I'm saying? Like he's, he's got that kind of potential. Will he be that? Wow. That's a hall of fame top 10. No one can say, no one can say that that. is, that's a whole stretch. I'm not saying that at all. Probably not, but, but with what he can do and how he plays, he's, he stretches the field the same kind of way. He's not what you call a physical guy, but the way he hits the hole, you know what I'm saying? A lot of guys, are way more physical. A lot of the guys have good vision. It's it's like when you can combine these as, yeah. like, aspects. That's that's when you become an elite back. And like you said, it he's got that vision. But to me, it's just the acceleration, dude. Like, like James he, Cook, like one of my pet peeves is James Cook is fast and he can accelerate. But if you if you touch him or if you're a decent tackler, you'll take him down. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. James Cook was never avoiding tackles. You know, like DeAndre Swift was jukey. He'll hit you with the dead leg. Like you're not just gonna put hands on him and take him down. That's what he is. So yeah, uh, I think that's next level running back. When you've got the move, the spin move, the hand down, bro, it's there's levels to it. And this kid, three star or not, he's he's gonna be a good one. I promise. Well, three three star or not, but you're talking about like a storied historic. This is as much RBU as it is anything. So if you're it's like you you could be, I don't know, um, an okay actor. But if you go to like join Broadway, that that elevates you. That obviously right. they're seeing something in you if you got that audition. Or you, you know, there are just HBO or something like yeah, some big dude, time. Th- there's some institutions that just like speak for themselves. So like, forget the three star, forget whatever. It's like we wanted this guy at some level. You know, we probably knew Jordan James. We we're probably you know sometimes it's a silver lining. Whatever, hey, Jordan whatever. James can work yeah. out. But we got this guy. He could really be something. So. That's kind of how I feel about that. But, like, you know, UGA's offseason seems to be going pretty smooth. We've had, like, a lot of coaching changes. we got a new a linebackers coach with a really African-sounding last name. My brother. My brother, Kadira. Kadira. Could you please? Kadira Uzo Duribe. Wow. Definitely West African. Love the name. Dark-skinned brother. I love the pickup. that that is something all these other UGA podcasts and UGA talkers do not have on their side. When they tried to pronounce his name, they did not have an in-house 
African man no, to be able to lay that. that down properly. Thank I mean, you, Cheeto. I mean, his name is Kadira, C H I. My name See, is Kadira? Cheeto, C H I, Chibuye, C H I. So, I mean, I know, I know the You're brother in there, right? <laughs> you know how to say this shit. I heard so many pronunciations. They're putting French accents uh, and all yeah, kinds of things on us. Like, what are y'all doing? You know, that people just don't know. I just, I just call him Coach O. Um, <laughs> yeah, that works, man. You know, that, that gets me by for now, and I'll work on that pronunciation. Uh, but to me, man, this off season is kind of geared up to see how spring practice kind of leaves the roster. You know, some guys are definitely going to leave. Some transfers might come in. We're just kind of gearing up for that. And this season, you know, you talk about you know, storyline season to season. This is the, can we get it back? Can we run it back? Can Stetson have that magic? Is another QB going to develop? And having the band back together as far as the coaches like these are kind of the simultaneous storylines going into this upcoming next season for the dogs i like it man i like where the program's at i like what we've been doing i feel like you know georgia has some needs maybe at wide receiver but we're we're really in a position to do everything we need to do and i oh, man i just trust kirby so much it's like um man like all our problems as Georgia fans are blessings. And that is something that I just hope the fan base just realizes. It's like when a when we, we recently had our DB's coach go to Miami. Hankton went to LSU, but uh Ada Ada what's how you say it? Uh Jamil Day. He did go to Miami. Jamila Jamila Day. We, we pulled one of their coaches, so they felt like they needed to do the same. Yeah. Which is fine. Yeah. That's the game. That's the game. You know, but you know, he just went uh to Miami. You know, we got to find a new DB's coach, but like, it's just, I'm at this point right now where I'm in bliss with Georgia and they could let me down. You know, it could be a couple of years from now or something. I'll be talking down the dumps on negative talk, but like our problems are blessings. Like other fan bases speak close to home. Like talk to talk about our rivals, like Georgia tech's wondering like how they can sell more basketball tickets in football season. Auburn's wondering how much money they're going to have to dole out for a potential fire in a Brian Harson. Like, Florida is just hoping that this isn't going to be like the 10th coaching choice since Spurrier and other, outside of Urban Meyer gone wrong or whatever. So, you know, I hear in the message groups, I try to stay a little bit distance from the fan base sometimes when they're super negative, but it's like all these problems that Georgia has are blessings right now. The off season's going well. And, uh, I'm just geared up for this G-Day game. Where are you at with the team? And how, how do you feel like we are faring right now in the offseason? Are we making those micro moves to, you know, have that puncher's chance? Or are we pulling a Falcons a la 2017, you know, just being uh, sitting on our ass and being a little passive with it? I mean, how do you feel? So college is a bit this? different. We're, we're When you have people graduate and you have uh, – national signing day you're kind of forced the roster is going to move and turn over um now we haven't really dipped into the transfer portal ourselves i don't know why i struggle saying that transfer portal but um there'll be moves made we've got coaches going out we got coaches going in and at this point like you said i trust kirby um to do things the right way um they're actually at an sec coaches meeting right now and you'll see the memes if you haven't seen it right now kirby just pulled up in a minivan while Nick Saban pulls up in the Benz and Jimbo Fisher pulls up in the Audi. I love Kirby, bro. He just, he gets it. <laughs> he, he he just gets it. I, I fully, I fully have trusted him with this program in his hands. And now he's validated it with the national ch- uh, championship and we're not done. I promise you we're not done. So I like where we're at. 
Uh, we'll see what the DB position or coach looks like, but really we've got Kirby and we've got Will Muschamps. We have two of the best DB coaches in the game. So it really doesn't matter who they sign. Uh, I imagine that they'll get somebody who is good with the kids hands-on and who's a decent recruiter. That's what it takes because you know the coaching is going to be there. If you can't coach, you can't coach for Kirby. You know what I'm saying? It's not going to happen. So, uh, and now you've got Will Muschamp underneath. Will Muschamp, he'll get in your ass. <laughs> like If you're not doing your job, yeah. like, he's not having it. So I'm confident where we're at. Um, yeah, I, I feel great. Again, don't let that number three recruiting class stuff fool you. This is a lot no, of no. quality that you're going to hear about very soon, especially on the defense. We're going to have the number one defense again very soon. Maybe I not mean, this year, two years, three years. Guarantee it. I guarantee it. Maybe nobody's recruiting defense. Maybe like Absolutely not. And we're dominant. And I would say, you know, Clemson was able to get in the conversation, have that puncher's chance many years that they did not have a top five, you know, recruiting class. And really all it takes is a couple of players to make that difference. And, you know, Georgia's done that. You know, they, they have enough talent to not make excuses. And when you're, when you're able to have enough talent to not make excuses, you're, you're in the conversation. So Georgia's recruited pretty well. A big name that I'm excited about. A lot of fans maybe have heard this at some point. I think you will. Just because he's such an outspoken guy, he might not be the top prize jewel of the recruiting class, but he's definitely one of the most outspoken, most visible guys, and that's Christian Miller. It's a guy, big time. a defensive tackle. That, that was another really name I wanted to mention. Super connected to the program. A lot of young guys love this dude. He's a who on Twitter. He's like his thing is like I'm the number one quarterback in the nation. Is like his bio. He's just a clown. Funny guy. Keeps it moving. Keeps the juices flowing. He's been recruiting and helping out throughout the season. So I was really hoping that he did come home to Georgia, and that's what he did. The I actually watched his uh, commitment live. The 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 gymnasium was going crazy. Everyone was hype about that. Um, and it just rounds out an amazing, amazing defensive haul, you know, and, and on the offensive side, we got some pieces that we needed. So I don't feel like the offense, you know, lost really anything. It's just the defense is just so glorious with all these five-star guys. And maybe the offense is a little under the radar, but man, it's like the offense for Georgia is going to be under the radar when you have a historically dominant defense, you know, it's just hard not to be under the radar. And that's one thing for me. It's like, Todd Munkin deserves so much credit. He was able to get this team where they needed to be, dominate. Offense is looking good. Defense is looking good. And I will just say one more thing for Georgia fans to keep in mind for recruiting. The recruiting cycle is basically over. But the number one guy in the 2023 class, uh, Labeus Overton, I think is his name, Overton or Overton, either way, number one defensive tackle, is going to graduate early instead of going in 23 he's going to go in 22 ah, that's right that's it's right. a it is a shootout right now for he now when he reclassified they got him as the number three composite player for this class either way this guy is a stud and everyone in the in the top five everyone in your mama is trying to get overton to come to their school if georgia can pull him over likely texas a&m and good lord if they get that guy thank god they're not in the east but I know it. I know it. regardless that is a big name to uh, look at, and that'll kind of wrap up our recruiting segment. Putting it back on L.A. This weekend's a big one. We got the Super Bowl coming up. We already talked about the dogs in the game. Cheeto, we're all about score predictions here. We can't just let the people dry. We got we to gotta sprinkle the juices. Let's, okay. let's get it going. What's, what is your score prediction for this weekend? 
Okay, this is completely unfounded. I haven't looked. At, I haven't looked at what the team's average is, whatever. Just off okay. my gut. Just off my gut. Let me go. Let me go. Thirty-four Rams with the win against Bengals. I think they hang in and make it close late. Give me twenty-eight. Thirty-four to twenty-eight Rams on top. Ooh. Okay. I like that. I'm gonna go. Man, I'm just gonna go for what I hope for here. Let's, <laughs> yeah, let's go. Cool. Uh, let's go. Let's go 41-38, Rams on top in an overtime thriller where Joe Burrow. OT? Okay. He, he, he gets sacked six times, and he's still in the game. That's that's <laughs> my uh, deep prediction. Dogs on top. Dogs on top. I love it. Well, uh, dog fans, I hope hope you guys are feeling the con- – really letting us be off the leash here with the NBA trade deadline, Super Bowl weekend. And of course we had to wrap it up with the dogs. Um, we'll try to do this again where it's applicable, um, but you guys have any comments or I've been getting uh, a lot of people reaching out. Uh, feel free to shoot me or Keegan message, snap DM, whatever you got us on. Uh, any suggestions are more than welcome. We appreciate you guys hanging out with us and uh, don't forget dogs are still national champions and uh, we're going to keep enjoying it. Uh, even though other sports are about to pick up some steam. Keegan. I appreciate you so much. I hope you have a great weekend. Valentine's Day, you lady. Y'all enjoy it. Dog fans, you too. And you guys, you always, you always know what it is. Off the leash. Off the leash.